in the morning. When you want the news, you need the front page every hour on the press box. Nothing's writing on this except the uh, First Amendment, the Constitution, freedom of the press, and maybe the future of the country. Not that any of that matters. And now, the news. Indiana has fired Archie Miller, Sean's brother, after four seasons. Hoosiers missed the NCAA tournament again this season. Six straight losses, 12 and 15. Uh, a booster. Got to have some of these around here. Paid for Miller's buyout, which was more than $10 million. Uh, good boosters to have there, Adam Candy, as some guy wrote a check for $10 million. Let me ask you this. Um, now you hear names like Brad Stevens, other big-time names who would want this job. I want to ask you this. Is Indiana still a great job? Now, I know there's boosters with $10 million, but do you still? when you look at the Big Ten, how Illinois come on, Jawan Howard with Michigan now, um, all these teams in the Big Ten, Ohio State's plays re- playing real well. Is Indiana still a really good job? Yeah, it's still a really good job. They're just not who they think they are. Um, right. And, you know, they, they seem to have gotten a little bit of the water delivery that goes to both Las Vegas and to Westwood because, you know, UCLA and UNLV are both operating under the same delusions of grandeur when it comes to past years of who wants right. to be the coach of that program, right, Ed? Because yeah. Indiana still has the name. They still play in the conference. They still have a fan base that will rally around that team. But what they have are expectations that the next Bob Knight is walking through that door. And that ain't happening, man. It ain't happening at this point. Like, Archie Miller came in with a whole lot of momentum and a whole lot of pedigree, and they just paid $10 million to get rid of him. I mean, $10 million? They paid a coach. You just said it. $10 million to walk away. Like, we hate you so much. It's $10 million to walk away. What? Give me your thoughts. We know what's happened with Sean at Arizona. Appears amazingly they're going to keep hold of him. They're actually going to be pretty good next year. It's Arizona, so maybe that's what they're thinking. Your thoughts on Archie Miller? I mean, does he? I, I, Indiana? Does he? I assume he could land a lower lower level gig here, uh, or or is he an assistant? I mean, Sean's had more success. Yeah, what, what's with Archie Miller in terms of your thoughts? Well. It's whether Archie Miller wants to coach or not right now. Because with $10 million in his pocket, he doesn't have to do a damn thing. Like, he can go on TV and play Steve Lavin. He can sit at home and eat Cheetos. He can do anything he wants. But if he wants to take a pay cut because he has $10 million in his pocket and he wants to come to a program where he can reestablish his reputation, you know, if TJ Otzelberger were to leave, just saying. Oh. Just saying. Come back to me. Sean down the road in Arizona. I'm just saying. Well, and yeah. Sean Miller has gone to prove, not that we're going to lose the, the thought process on this, but Sean Miller has gone on to prove that there are two types of scandals you can get into. One you can survive and one you can't. If it's the scandal everybody expects you get to get into when it comes to paying players, you can outlast it. If it's the scandal where you're Bobby Petrino and you've got the student assistant riding on the uh, back of your motorcycle, uh, you can't survive that one. With the cut up face, what a disaster. Next question. Uh, staying uh, there in the Big Ten, Minnesota has fired Richard Pitino on Monday. Not Rick. After the men's basketball program was 54-96 in 96 over eight years. Three conference, only three conference finishes higher than 10th. Uh, Two-part here because it appears Richard Pitino might walk out the door of one job and walk into another. He appears to be the leading candidate for the New Mexico Lobos. Tim Miles, the former Colorado State Nebraska coach, also reportedly in on that job. Um bringing you know richard patino on that kind of record 
Uh, first, your thoughts there. I mean, the Lobos seem, they locked in on him fast, and Richard Pitino, by all accounts, seems to be a good guy, very classy on how he left Minnesota, but also got eight years there and didn't do anything. So, you know, he got paid well not to do much. He should be classy on the way out. Surprised that the Lobos are going this hard this fast? I, I actually think Tim Miles is a better fit. He's been in the league. He built Colorado State, but it appears they're zeroing in on Richard Pitino. If I'm New Mexico and Jeff Grammer told us uh, a week ago that they're targeting paying their coach about $800,000. Yeah. If I can find someone with Rick, uh, Rich Patino's, yeah, I knew I was going to do that. If I can ah. find someone with Rich Patino's pedigree to come in at $800,000, I probably am actually taking that chance before I'm taking the, the shot at Tim Miles. I, I, Minnesota is a tough place to win, man. Like that. Ever since they had their, uh, shall we say, academic issues up there, yes, it has become yes. a place that has become much more difficult to win in the Big Ten. We just saw it with Archie Miller at Indiana. It is not easy to win in the bottom half of the Big Ten because you're going to be dealing with programs at the top that are going to work you year in and year out, and that's why what Brad Underwood has done at Illinois has been so outstanding for them. So, yeah, I, I understand. I don't think Tim Miles will be a bad hire at all, but if it's New Mexico then if Richard Pertino's out there at the price that they're willing to pay, I don't think that's a bad hire. The second part of this is what does Minnesota do? Uh, one of the leading candidates mentioned all along is San Diego State coach Brian Dutcher. We know uh, Jim Dutcher, his father, coached there. He Brian Dutcher went there, met his wife there. They both go back every year, all the families there. Uh, 61 years old, something like 54 and 5 or something over the last two years, some ridiculous uh Number, but he's 61. He's got it rolling at San Diego State. We talked about this yesterday with Dutcher, Adam. You know, he's been a career assistant other than when he took over to Fisher. So it's all relative in terms of what he's been paid. No one feels sorry for these guys. But this is his chance to cash in. It's also, like you said, a program that's really hard to win at. And you got it rolling in the Mountain West. I mean, is the money worth it for five years to say, you know what? I'm just going to go cash out. I want to win. I'm sure he'd try to win. But at 61, almost like Osloberg at Iowa State, isn't this a no-brainer? I know it's Minnesota. you got to live in the winter. But if you're Dutcher and they offer to you, don't you have to go? Uh, you know, Steve Cofield and I had this discussion to say, look at the contract and look at how much less the buyout is for yeah. Minnesota yeah. than it is for anywhere else. He put the contingency into that contract to be ready to take this opportunity right here and right now. And I think Brian Dutcher has done an outstanding job at San Diego State. Outstanding. Because we talk about it all the time with great athletes. You don't, and especially with great coaches too, I guess, you don't right. want to be the guy after the guy. You don't you want, want to, to follow the, the guy. next one, right? He has come in and been the guy, the man, yeah. after Steve Fisher. That is not easy to do. And that program is a program that could easily end up in the Sweet 16 this year. That being said, if this is the place he wants to be and the money is there, I don't see why you don't do it. You know, you go up there for four or five years until it's time yeah. to retire. You come back to whatever pad you have in San Diego and, and play out the string there. So yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I feel like it just makes too much sense. It makes even more sense than Otzelberger to Iowa State. Man, you know, that's a great question. Uh, we've wanted to get this for a while, not for the reason, but uh, what a story. A high school sports announcer has come under fire for racist remarks he made about a girls' basketball team while they were kneeling during the national anthem in Norman, Oklahoma. Uh, he has blamed the actions on diabetes. We'll tell you the background. 
Matt Rowan made the remarks Thursday at a game between Norman High and Midwest City at the state basketball tournament. In a recording of the broadcast, broadcasters are heard yelling, are telling viewers that the broadcast would return after the anthem, but the mics were hot and kept on. When the girls from Norman kneeled, Rowan immediately criticized them. I hope they get their ass kicked. Uh, bleep them. I hope they lose. I hope they're going, if they're going to kneel like that, hell no. He went on to call the students the N-word. Video of the live broadcast were recorded and shared online. So here we go, Adam. He obviously finds out quickly what he did. He tells, uh, the quote was, uh, he apologized, said, I suffer from type 1 diabetes. During the game, my sugar was spiking while not excusing my remarks. It is not unusual my sugar spikes and I become disoriented and often say things that are not appropriate as well as hurtful. I do not believe that I would have made such horrible statements absent of my sugar spicing, uh, spiking. Um, I've known people with diabetes and, and having this issues. I, I'm going to stop there with my comments on him and whether I believe this to be the case. When you saw this, uh, what were your thoughts in terms of his reasoning? Well, and full disclosure, I have called games for the NFHS network. Yes, you before, have. So exactly. I just want to yes. just want to make yes. full disclosure that uh, I have been paid by this company in the past for calling games here in Nevada. Okay. Um, now, I have to tell you, I have actually never had a similar issue. Um, I am not <laughs> a diabetic, um, so I don't think that I would have a one-to-one issue there. But let me say this. There's one person on God's green earth that I would buy this excuse from, and unfortunately, he left us recently. It's Wilford Brimley. Uh, mm-hmm. If Wilford Brimley said that he had a diabetes issue, then I could believe that. But I don't somehow think that your blood sugar has controlled the fact that you have gone from, I respect the humanity and equality of all people, to I called people effing N-words for kneeling for the anthem. Somehow I don't think this was some sort of Hulk smash situation because of your blood sugar. And the fact that you would even try to make it out the, to say that there are levels to this thing. There are not levels to this thing. You're racist. Stop it. I totally agree. I think if it's, I've said this before with these remarks or these kind of remarks, uh, just my opinion. I think if it's in you, it's in you. And if you're going to say these kind of stuff, that's in you, whether your sugar is spiking or not, or you have diabetes. Like I said, I know a few people with diabetes. Uh, it can be very, very tough, very, very difficult. I get that. But I think uh, it's one thing to have a, a you know the sugar spike and all that and just say kind of crazy things and disoriented. It's another to use these words. And I think if it's in you, it's in you. Update, breaking news, not really breaking. New Mexico has hired Richard Patino as its next basketball coach. Okay. They just needed my endorsement. They need. They were waiting to see me say darn it's right. okay. You're darn right. And then they did it. Okay. Yeah. So what would have what would be better, Archie, Archie Miller here and Sean Miller at Arizona are uh, two Patinos. Oh, come on, two Patinos. You out of your mind? Come on. Okay. All right. If UNLV would hire Rick Patino, well, you know, I mean, come on. All they do is, you know, recruit great players and go to the NSA tournament. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but go ahead. I'm out. <laughs> uh, multiple referees, and Adam, I know you are a referee locally, have been sent home from the NCAA basketball tournament controlled environment in Indianapolis to a positive COVID 19 test and contact tracing. Apparently, uh, the refs, four of the refs, have been replaced for the pool reserves. Um, some big names here, Ted Valentine, John Higgins, Roger Ayers, uh, were sent home apparently. And, uh, this is interesting because when everyone got to Indianapolis, it was going to be locked down. You're going to be quarantined, go to your room. Their rooms were not ready. So they chose to go to dinner. Uh, someone test positive and it's contract tracing. We haven't talked about this, you and I, in terms of the sequester, uh, of everyone, the teams are arriving, very, very strict protocols. They're going to be tested every day. 
Uh, but all of a sudden, now we've got six officials sent home. Yeah. Uh, and if you go to KenPalm.com, he has rankings of the officials that basically goes on how big of games have they been assigned to all year long, right? Like how right. big time of the big time are these guys? Uh, Kip Kissinger, number five. Roger Ayers, number six. John Higgins, number 10. Uh, TV Teddy Valentine, number 12. Um, here's the amazing part to me. These guys have operated under some form of COVID protocols all year long, right? They have succeeded in traveling all over the country. And if you think I'm exaggerating when I say traveling all over the country, John Higgins worked in 11 different conferences this year. 11! 11! He has been 11. all over this country from coast to coast and managed to successfully not acquire COVID or get caught in contact tracing. And these morons, with the opportunity to work the NCAA tournament, go out to dinner with no masks and end up getting themselves one person with the virus and the rest of them contact traced out of it. This is insane. You have an opportunity here where some of these guys are probably going to be working Elite Eight and Final Four by the time it's all said and done. And you take it so for granted that you have been able to succeed in avoiding the virus all year long that you go out and do this. Yeah. Come on, guys. Come on. This is just insane to me that they would risk the opportunity that they have in front of them for doing this. Pick up one of those sack lunches and get there and wait for the room to be ready. Go and have a sandwich. Going out to dinner with everybody. And people know who you are, obviously. Ted Valentine, Higgins. There's some, you know, really well-known, noticeable, recognizable guys out to dinner at a same table with six people. That's not a good look. Ay, ay, ay. There's no reason. There's no, no reason to take the chance. And no. folks, if you don't know the kind of money <laughs> these guys make, understand this. We're not just saying, oh, well, maybe they've worked the Final Four before. It doesn't matter to them. They, th they thought they were okay. Y'all, in the top conferences... These guys are making $3,500 to $4,000 a game. Oh, They're making $4,000 a game. You don't risk it over a stake. Wow. A lot of money. We picked the Got wrong uh, professions, Jared. All right, when we come back, uh, you want to hear this. Yeah. Uh, Josh Pastner's the Georgia Tech coach. That's fine. I just don't think you ever want to call him when he doesn't pick up. Back after this. Back on a Tuesday, it's Ed, Adam Candy, and for Tyler and Jared. Get to Ben Goats at 8.30. He'll tell you all the VGK updates from last night's win and looking forward now that Robin Leonard is back skating at practice. But first, we want to get to this real quick, Adam. Uh, Josh Pastner, you know well, the Georgia Tech head coach. Got two bits of clips here. One, uh, story written about this. Uh, this, is, uh, this is interesting. Now, all coaches uh, live on their cell phones. Some have more than one. And they, are, they have those things to their ears the entire day other than when they're coaching. But if you call Josh Pastner, you get a little different voice message than this. Hey, it's Coach Pastner. You know, uh, go Georgia Tech. Call me back. Uh, Jared's going to play this. I want your response afterwards. This is what you get when you call Josh Pastner's cell phone. Hello. This is Josh Pastner. Life is short. We spend so much time sweating the small stuff, worrying, wishing, wanting, waiting for something bigger instead of focusing on the simple blessings that surround us every day. Life is so fragile. 
and it takes a single moment to change everything you take for granted. Focus on what's important and be grateful. Live your life with no regrets. I'm not in right now, but if you leave your name and telephone number clearly, I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Have a great day, a positive day, and a day filled with gratitude. Oh my goodness. Your, your, your first reaction to that. Did he actually set that to a music bed of squeaky <laughs> sneakers in the gym that got yes. louder as the voicemail went on? <laughs> That Was might be the most impressive value part. to this. Yes, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, it, it also, I got it off of ESPN, like you. So it may have been that the sound guy didn't mute guys playing in the background. Ugh. So there's, there's a fifty-fifty chance. There's also a chance that yes, yes, he had a, he had a, like intern, put put together like a slowly sweeping up sound of sneakers squeaking. Because I become that much more impressed by the fact that he took the time yes. to go to some grad assistant and say, you know what, this sounds really good, but you know what would make it great? <laughs> Let's put some sneakers behind it. Uh, Ed, Ed um, <laughs> now you've covered basketball for a long time, Ed. Uh, have you ever talked to his dad, Hal? Uh, a long time ago when Josh was a walk-on, uh, you know, he was the guy everyone cheered of that came in for uh, Lute Olson and took a three every time he touched the ball at an AAU tournament a long time ago when Hal was in AAU world. But it's been a while, so, uh, yeah. yeah. It, I, 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 I honest, and I hope he is. Is Hal still with us? I don't know. It's been years since I talked to Hal. No, it's been years for me, too, so I'm not going <laughs> to – I actually just wanted to reference the times that I used to talk to him because I, when I was covering the AAU circuit – more regularly, um, you know, I, I am not surprised having talked to Hal in the times that I had that that's what Josh's voicemail sounds like. Yeah. It sounds like the apple did not fall far from the tree in terms of the ability to talk to anyone about anything. I, I don't know. I, I would be fired up. I actually would be fired up about life if I listened to Josh Pastner's voicemail the first time. The first right. time. By the second time, like if I'm Josh Pastner's landscaper or if I'm Josh Pastner's dentist Ugh. and I need to leave like the confirmation, like, hey, Josh, tomorrow's your cleaning. Uh, yeah. Just wanted to make sure you're good. To <laughs> By the time I've had to call him like four times, I'm like, Jesus, what button do I press to get past Ugh. this? Yeah, it's like press one, press two. You, you usually call up and they say press one, press two, and the next time you call back, you just do it right away. You don't need to, you know, you don't need to be told. No, you know what's going to happen. Josh is going to re-record just a little bit at the beginning. That's going to be like every phone call you've ever made to a company. It's going to say, "It's hey, this is Josh Pastner. Please <laughs> listen closely because our menu options have ch changed." Oh, how about uh, you know? And look, attention span of kids nowadays. Uh, uh, I've got two myself around that age, and the attention span's about two seconds if I'm talking to him. So if you're a recruit and you know you want to just check in with coach, boy, you call that thing. I don't know if you're staying on for the whole thing. I was like, yeah, I'll just text this guy. I can't stay on for this entire message. Wow, I was uh, I was just gonna say, <laughs> what recruit <laughs> is talking on the phone? <laughs> Come on, that's true. That like any Texting. recruit that if you find a recruit who is willing to either leave a voicemail or listen to a voicemail. That recruit yes. is a 35-year-old man who snuck into a junior college I was gonna say, posing as a recruit. I was going to say, he's probably not the guy you want on your team. <laughs> did he manage yeah, to just... slip 
10 cliches, 10 in less than a minute? He might have. I mean, it was just a terrific. Yeah, he's just a, the voicemail was absolutely classic. Uh, I wonder how long he, uh, I mean, was there a script? Did he, did he, did he like rehearse this thing? There's no way that was one take. That's absolutely written down. No, that is absolutely written out on cue cards it probably was made into a video that he'll release at some point you know yes. where you oh, can uh, where you can get a good look at how he was doing it and it'll have some great production value it'll have shots of little kids dribbling basketballs like it'll be the best thing ever but ed you heard you heard him on espn right after they won oh the i think i think we've got the audio yes. jared do we have yep. the audio this yep. is after they won the acc tournament beat florida state and this is josh pastner after that game uh, on espn Hey, and I want to give a great shout-out to Dan and Jay. Thanks for covering the game. Thanks for ESPN. Prime time we're on. Hey, man. So great great for everybody. Thumbs up. Hey, man. And Allison, we appreciate you so appreciate much you. as well, too. And I know Coach Greenberg's listening as well. Hello, Coach Greenberg. Reese Davis. Uh, LaFonso Ellis is over there. Hello, everybody. Hey, man. Thank you, everybody. Awesome, yeah. guys. Thanks. See ya. <laughs> is this kid like 10? Uh, <laughs> all right. Two things I absolutely love about that. Uh, one, I, I will just say as a, as a general statement, I also appreciate Allison Williams. But secondly, <laughs> um, Jose Alvarado as hype man was by far the best yes, part of that. Yes, because if yes, you didn't yes, know who the yes. other person in that sound was, that was Jose Alvarado, his point guard, who is just a great kid to, uh, to watch. Uh, the best part of that ACC celebration was him diving through the balloons and the confetti and doing like a little snow angel in there. Uh, big up, NYC. But... Him coming up there, like when Josh was like, "We appreciate you," and Jose is like, "Yeah, man, we appreciate you." Like, uh, you know, and, and Jay and Dan, yeah, Jay and Dan, like that was the best of the entire thing. I could listen to those two as a motivational speech pair for a long time. Oh my god! Can I can I rip it now? A little? Oh man! All right, fine. The mask he was wearing—that is that—that that is that not wasn't a mask. Exactly. He was wearing a face shield, and by the way. The company that makes the face shields, why did they think it was necessary to put on the headband the words face shield? Were they thinking that someone was unclear as to what that person had over their heads? Like, on the face shield, behind the plastic, there is a part where it says in big block letters, face shield. Thanks for clearing it up. I wasn't planning on wearing it on any other part of my body. Well, apparently that's for me because I just called it a mask. Uh, but those are, like, not effective. Like, we have the science to back that up. If you want to wear it as, like, an extra measure to the mask, as, you know, like, you're you're sort of double-bagging your head, then sure. <laughs> anyway, that was the, that was, I was, like, genuinely smiling, and then I, like, saw the video, and I was like, oh. So he's just positive, but didn't read any literature. <laughs> Well, I, I'm, I'm proud of Josh Pastner for not only coaching his kids, but coaching the ESPN crew and anybody else who decided to call him. That was pretty fantastic stuff there from Josh Pastner. Yes. Did we, did we lose Ed? Well, that's why I was giving you a hard out there in case you wanted to use oh, that, was to that go it? out Oh, on. okay. No, we normally <laughs> tease the guests. All right. We're going to try to get Ed Graney and Ben Goats from the Review Journal next. Sharks have it back in with Burns. Left circle. Heels away from Martinez. Outside left wing. Dishes right. Meyer steps it home at the right post. 
Got below the goal line, faked out Flurry and slams it in at the right post. It's a one-goal game with 5.31 to play in the third. Ah, no donuts today. They should have given donuts with that oat check. Just that alone should have deserved donuts. We'll ask this guy what he thinks. Follow him on Twitter at Ben S. Dotes. He's your review journal Vegas Golden Knights beat writer at the Review Journal. He and Dave Shane do a great job. Hello, Benjamin. Morning, gentlemen. How are you? Morning. Well, uh, no, no, no donuts. Uh, but let's get right to it. Two one last night. Hey, were you a little uh, surprised and or impressed, uh, given the Sharks haven't beat the Golden Knights since like 1947, that San Jose came out with a little hop in the step and they they kind of wanted to be in that last night? Were you a little surprised that, or was it good hockey to watch finally when these two teams meet? Yeah, I wasn't super surprised because I think it's what you would typically expect from a team coming off a super long road trip as the Knights were. They'd been away from home for a while. They kind of just probably wanted to uh, put down their bags, relax, and take a real deep breath on their off day Sunday. And then, you know, Pete DeBorg had mentioned he kind of could sense that the team's energy was off at morning skate Monday morning. But by the second period, once the Sharks kind of pushed them around a little bit in the first, they figured it out, responded. But I actually was more impressed by San Jose's push at the end because I thought the Knights kind of, you know, switched a gear, found their legs, started playing kind of better hockey that they know that they're capable of doing. And the Sharks still almost made it a game at the end there. It looked like the Knights were just going to waltz out of there with an easy uh, 2 nothing victory because you mentioned Marc-Andre Fleury almost got everyone donuts there. But the Sharks uh, get one back pretty late, and then they really came close to tying it a couple different times. So sure, I believe hit a post, or one of the Sharks did. It might have been Timo Meyer, And so the Knights kind of uh, had to hang on there at the end for the win. But, uh, yeah, they ultimately did. They're 4 nothing against the Sharks so far this year, and the Sharks have not had a lead in any of those games. Ben, the, we saw at the, say, probably the midpoint mark of the third period, uh, Shane Knighty pointed out on the broadcast that Alex Tuck had been off the ice for a few shifts. Do we have any update on what was going on with him? Yeah, not officially, but Alex Tuck did come back for the end of the third period. He uh, took two shifts late in the frame, including one that ended with about 32 seconds remaining. So whatever was uh, going on with him, it looked like he was able to get back on the ice there late. Uh, another uh, good performance from Mark Underfield. We talked about this uh, earlier in the show, Ben. I know Pete DeBoer was asked about it. I believe, you can uh, correct me if I'm wrong, in the media yesterday in his uh, availability I think it's 16 of 17 starts. Robin Leonard's back skating with the team. Uh, you know, the, here goes the question again. When is enough too, uh, too much for Fleury? Pete DeBoer seemed to say, hey, it's the first quarter of the season. Don't worry about it. It's not like it's the 40th game. And we, both Adam and I, think there's no way he can continue this pace. So where are you at and what they should be doing, especially against the bottom teams in this division, when you try to look for spots to save him? Yeah, I'm a little surprised they haven't been spotting him even a little bit more in this stretch. Obviously, they're down Robin Leonard. They're kind of two-headed goalie tandem monster that they envision taking him through the season has not been intact for most of it. But because the Knights have raced out to such a hot start, I mean, they're 19-6-1. Their record uh, is incredible. Their points percentage is up there with any team in the National Hockey League, and it's pretty well clear of anyone else in the Pacific Division. Uh, I am surprised they didn't at least try to sneak in, you know, another Oscar Dance start another Logan Thompson start in the mix there somewhere. But I do think it helps that if they get Robin Leonard back uh, later this week, as they're expecting now that he is skating with the team again, he did not dress last night, so he wasn't even the backup, but I think there's optimism 
that in a couple days he might be ready for that and the team will need him to be because they do have a back-to-back uh, on Sunday and Monday. But that will help spell flurry. And if they can go back to kind of the rotation they had at the beginning of the season where one goalie gets one game and then the other goalie gets the next game, all of a sudden flurry's workload will start to slow down. He's going to start to get, you know, four days off between starts. And I think they think that's going to be enough for him to kind of catch his breath and uh, rest up before whatever uh, postseason run that this team is ultimately going to go on. We talked earlier on the show, Ben, about what sort of leash Pete DeBoer can have with Robin Leonard if he comes back and is not playing well, and if if Marc-Andre Fleury continues to go at the level that he's been going. And we were saying leash with regard to would the locker room at some point be upset if the better goalie were not starting, if uh, Robin Leonard were you know, at a point where it just didn't seem like it was going to happen for him this year, the same way last year, it didn't seem like it was happening for Marc-Andre Fleury. Yeah, I think the good thing, if you're the Golden Knights, is that you can afford to be patient with Robin Leonard because your record is so good, like I said. And the thing is, Robin Leonard has honestly not been that good this year, and his record is still 3-1-1. and uh, The Knights are a good enough team where they can overcome bad goaltending on, you know, pretty regularly. Now, they haven't had to a lot of this year because they've had Flurry starting so much. In fact, obviously, their goaltending has lifted them to such a great record. But, you know, if you're Pete DeVore, I think you can easily take the long-term view here and say it's going to help us to have two goaltenders, you know, kind of close to going at 100% heading to the postseason. Obviously, Flurry uh, by far has a lead for kind of the number one job right now. But because you are not, you know, pressed in the standings because you have a pretty good lead right now and you can feel you know, almost assured that you're ultimately going to be in the postseason. I think you can bring Robin Leonard back relatively uh, slowly, relatively regularly, and like I said, maybe do that one-in, one-out rotation you were doing earlier, and it shouldn't affect the standings chase at all. You shouldn't feel a need to push Flurry to get more wins here because you've already earned plenty of wins for the regular season and it would take a lot to derail the momentum at this point. What do you think of the poke check? It's not staying back in the crease. It's so aggressive. Alan Walsh probably not happy uh, that uh, he didn't stay back because he was talked at by other people than the Knights, but he did come out and had the great poke check on Kane. Uh, that's kind of what we've seen from Flurry in the past. How, how did you see that? Does, uh, as good a play as everyone made it out to be? Oh, it was incredible. Uh, you know, it was Dominic Hasek-esque uh, for, you know, people who love you know, some older school goalies like him. You just don't see goalies do that anymore. And so that's what I think what made it so exciting is that, you know, Flurry, even though he's playing deeper in this crease this year, I think he's, you know, playing a little bit more uh, composed, somewhat less instinctual. He still has those moments uh, where he reminds you that he's Marc-Andre Flurry and he has those absolutely uh, incredible instincts and athleticism to be able to make a play like that because there's no one saw that coming, including me up in the press box where in my head, and I'm sure Pete DeBoer was doing the same thing on the bench, you know, was going, Oh no, 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 no. Oh wow. Where it looks like he's going to get completely beat by Vander Kane. He's going to look really foolish because Kane's going to have a completely open net to shoot at once he gets around flurry. But he doesn't because Fleury makes sure that it doesn't happen. And it was cool, obviously, to hear uh, Marc-Andre Fleury's teammates react to it after the game, too. I mean, Max Pacioretty, I believe, exact quote was, 
that dude is the man. Uh, he was just completely wowed. He said he and Ryan Reeves are already uh, in talks to acquire the life rights to Marc-Andre Fleury so they can make a movie about him. Fleury doesn't sound enthused about this project, but uh, that's how uh, highly his teammates thought of the play, and certainly it was one of the highlights of the night season so far. Are you surprised at all by this, Ben, when it comes to Marc-Andre Fleury? Because this is such a turn from where we were even six months ago where Marc-Andre Fleury was washed and making $7 million a year, at least in our view, in terms of how we were talking about it, he was washed. And so he was basically like this guy who was an albatross on the salary cap. we got to get rid of him. we got to create flexibility. And now he's pretty much the MVP of the team. Yeah, I mean, he's up there in terms of MVP candidates in the league as well. And I don't think how anyone could not be surprised. I mean, obviously... The league was surprised because the Knights were trying relatively hard to get rid of him when they were trying to clear out salary cap space in the offseason, and they couldn't find a way to do it. No one wanted to take on Marc-Andre Fleury's $7 million. Obviously, if you polled a lot of the NHL GMs that I'm sure the Knights were talking to, a lot of them would happily reverse that decision right now. So I don't know how anyone cannot be surprised, especially because it's one thing to have thought in the offseason – Hey, Marc-Andre Fleury had one down year. For the most part, he's been very good for the Knights. He won't be that bad again. That, I think, was a reasonable stance to take in the offseason. I don't know if anyone was like, yeah, Marc-Andre Fleury at age 36 is going to completely turn around his game and potentially be a Vesna Trophy candidate for the first time and be right up there, at least you know, as we're nearing the halfway point of the season, with Andre Vasilevsky for the favorite to win that award. That's an entirely different thing that I don't think anyone saw coming. And obviously it's by far the biggest reason the Knights are where they are in the standings. The Knights have tremendously talented skaters. I mean, Mark Stone is having an unbelievable year. But you don't get anywhere in the NHL without goaltending. And the Knights are the number one goaltending team in the NHL right now, all because of Marc-Andre Fleury. As I said, Robin Leonard did not have a good start to the year. And the Knights are first in team save percentage still just because Fleury has basically put them on his back. Uh, I know you played a lot of hockey as the Minnesota kid. You've got uh, uh, relatives at high, high levels. Uh, I'm thinking if we put a pair of skates on you, you could center uh, Pacioretty and Stone. Glass got it last night. Like, how good are these guys? And Glass goes from a healthy scratch to centering those two. Can anything? Can anyone not center these guys at this point, given how well they're playing? No, I mean, I think they're just as tremendous of a wing duo as you can get in the NHL because they complement each other so, so well. I mean, obviously, Mark Stone is a guy who is tremendous on defense. He's great at knocking pucks out of midair and transitioning the other way. And then he's just such an incredible passer. And then that suits the game of Pacioretty so well, who's got one of the best snapshots you'll ever see in the NHL and a release that just seems to fool goaltenders time and time again. So when you got a great passer like Stone who knows how to find a great shooter like Pacioretty in his wheelhouse, I think it's pretty easy to play with those two guys. As you said, uh, I'm not quite sure I would uh, necessarily be as good at it as uh, you know, a Chandler Stevenson or Cody Glass, but you know, I think I could get some points on that line. I mean, they are secondary assists. In, they are up there in terms of, uh, you know, a pair of line mates in the entire NHL in terms of how productive they are obviously both at five on five and on the power play because Stone assisted Pacioretty on a, his power play goal last night. So 
Uh, I think especially for Max Pacioretty, uh, you know, the start of his Knights career here was a tough adjustment to him for his second franchise in the league. But he should be very, very thankful that uh, George O'Fee and Kelly McCrimmon brought Mark Stone to Vegas because it's made his game take off tremendously where uh, now they're both more than a point-per-game players right now for basically the first time in their careers. Read all of his stuff at Review Journal. Does the podcast with Dave Shane. Uh, the two beat writers do a great job. Follow him on Twitter at Ben S. Goats, covering the Vegas Golden Knights. Thanks, Ben. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Good stuff there. I think Ben could center that line. Kid played as a kid. He's got he's got relatives at high levels in hockey. I actually think Ben could be a great, great center there, Adam, on that line. Well, as I said earlier, my vote is for Jared. <laughs> I took All right, movement, we'll go, Ed. Movement. <laughs> we'll go Ben and Jared uh, uh, across the ice for the fastest skater. When we come back, hey, it's time for Luke Brigandi at uh, Prop Swap. And the Sharp wins again. At least we think he did. Back after that. We're checking in on the latest news from PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Here we go, at PropSwap on Twitter, PropSwap.com, to get all your picks and, as the man said, the tickets that you want to get for all these NBA MVPs, NCAA tournaments, baseball futures, and everything else. Please be joined now, though, by Luke Pergandy of PropSwap. Hi, Luke. How are you? Hey, guys. How are you? Good, good. All right, before we get to the NCAA tournament, because I know everyone's excited about that, uh, Embiid goes down. It seems like this weekly update on the MVP uh, going back and forth now uh, might might take some hold in your world. Are you seeing anything on MVP tickets switching hands based on these injuries and who, who might be the favorite in a given week? Yeah, we saw a ton of action on Embiid uh, before the injury. Uh, you know, now people are trying to sell their indeed tickets. I, of course, right. know, and then you're a little bit too late. <laughs> I have been preaching <laughs> to sell your 40 to 1 indeed tickets since the beginning of the season because he opened at 40 to 1, and before the injury, he was down to 2 to 1. So, you know, take the take 20 times your money, right, from 40 to 2. Take maybe about 100, you could sell it for 2,000, and then just go make another indeed ticket. Like, at least take some profit from us, you know, before the all-star break and they'll walk away with nothing. But uh, in my opinion, he is no longer a candidate. It's, it's really now LeBron to lose, uh, barring some type of injury on his part. Uh, so we want to get to the tournament. Uh, tell us what's happening with the NCAA tournament. So with the Chalks, Illinois tickets, one kind of popular uh, Final Four team I know with a lot of people is the four-seed Florida State. They kind of ended the year on a downward turn, uh, lost to Georgia Tech and Passner in the ACC championship, but I've seen a lot of them advance to the uh, Final Four. What do you what do you see with all these NCAA tickets? Yeah, yeah, Florida State's a trendy, uh, trendy, somewhat long shot. They're about 20 to 1 odds. I've seen a lot of brackets keep predicting them. You know, in my opinion, the two worst one seed are Baylor and Michigan. I think Michigan with livers going down is uh, ripe to be upset. And Baylor, you know, after the COVID break, they lost two games, also almost lost to Kansas State. So, if you're, in my opinion, if you're picking some upsets, go in those two brackets. So, obviously, Florida State would fall, fall into the Michigan bracket. Right. Um, you know, props, this is our busiest week of the year by – you know, 300% is, is this week, and then the final four week, we'll just have these gigantic tickets getting posted. 
We sold a $15,000 uh, Michigan ticket yesterday. That, of course, was, that we talked about on the show, the original bet amount was 800 bucks at 125 to 1 odd in December. Jeez. And he sold it on PropStar for 15 grand this week. So uh, kudos to him. You know, he made a ton of money on that, hedging the other way possible. But, of course, we have way smaller tickets. Oklahoma State is a really trendy team right now. Uh, they're in the Illinois bracket. Um, Texas Tech, we've seen a lot of noise on Texas Tech. They are in the um, Baylor bracket. They'll play Arkansas. Right. Second round, I'm, I'm not too afraid of Arkansas. And then they'll play Ohio State, which in my opinion is probably the worst two-seed um, in that third round there, will Texas Tech. So those are kind of the teams that we're seeing. Virginia has been getting a lot of noise. They, they would play Creighton in the second round. I think Creighton is a really bad five-seed. You know, a six-loss Creighton team, like, they, that was probably overrated as a five. Loyola Chicago was the darling of this college basketball season. Unfortunately, the committee gave them an eight seed, which in my opinion is ridiculous. Like that's, that's the best eight seed in the history of this tournament. And they have to have to go up against Illinois in their second game. But Loyola Chicago is a really popular team on props. So hopefully they can knock off Illinois, but if not, they had a really good run. It's Luke Burgandy of PropSwap. Get to PropSwap.com, also at PropSwap on Twitter for all information on tickets available. Thanks, Luke. We appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Have a good week. This will be fun. There he is, Luke Burgandy, PropSwap.com. All right, I think I know what time it is, Jared. It's time to find the sharp. Brought to you by PropSwap, where smart sports bettors buy and sell sports bets. Go to PropSwap.com today and find the very best odds. Ah, Nate's back. Nate, uh, update us. Who did you have yesterday? We assume you won because it was soccer, but you got to update us. Oh, um, I did win. <laughs> oh, of course you did. Of course, you soccer. Well, of course. That's yeah. good enough for us. All right. That's good enough for us. You don't even need yeah. a mulligan. <laughs> now I Ooh. can't even remember, but uh, today nah. I'm going to go UEFA. Um, oh, UEFA. Okay. We're going Man City over Mönchengladbach. There you go, kid. Man City. That's no my team. making That's up my teams. Team. That's not allowed. That's my team. I mean, if he That's did, my sandwich we team. wouldn't That's my know. Sandwich team. <laughs> fun fun fact, I've actually covered the goal line in all of these games as well. That is a fun fact, yeah, Nate. That is a, uh, that it's is not a fact we knew. <laughs> <laughs> and only one person on this show when he's not working today would think that a fun fact and would really care about it. Uh, so, man, <laughs> yep, I do. All right. I'll see you later, Nate. Nate. I do care about Man City though, because you know I got what? the I got that in the champions uh, for the sandwich. Even though you continue to give me a hard time, Jared, that if I win the bet, I should want something more than uh, Jimmy John's. But I'm going to hold it at that. What, 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 hold on a second, what, what, Monk and Gladbach. He's just he just made sounds like those sounds of the team. <laughs> all, all he all he did was just push some air out of his mouth and say that uh, Man City was going to beat that team. Let's not get playfully xenophobic with other you know with foreign <laughs> languages. But it's not uh, meant to be xenophobic. It's how is your blood sugar, like Adam? A team he made up. Uh, oh man. Well, he, I'm drinking we orange Man City. juice, by the way, Jared. I have plenty of blood sugar. No excuses. <laughs> we uh we know Man City. I'll uh, take care of business for Nate today. And hell, even if they don't, he can call in tomorrow. We'll just believe him that they won. Uh, because Nate's picking soccer, and you can't lose in soccer. You just pick the favorite. So Nate will be with us for a few months uh, picking those matches. When we come yeah. back, back to NFL free agency. You know, we talked about Ngakwe to start the show. 
couple things else happened with the Raiders yesterday. One wide receiver they lost, uh, running back, backup running back. And it appears a certain offensive lineman who's coming back to football did not leave Las Vegas last night. He's going to try out and work out for the team today. We'll have all your NFL news, including the top free agency moves that were made around the league. Tomorrow, of course, is the first time all of this can become official. And we'll tell you about that coming back. We'll even ask Jared, of all these of all these moves yesterday, which one Jared thinks was the best? Back after this.